your alternative to ordinary radio. Welcome to another edition of the Trademark Productions SEO Web Talk Radio Show. Hi, I am Dwight Zeringer, owner and operator of Trademark Productions, a small digital boutique agency located in the outskirts of beautiful Detroit, Michigan. We've been involved in online marketing and web development since 1993. We figured we'd talk with a couple different industry experts on a regular basis just to keep everybody up on what's happening in the world of web development, online marketing, and optimization. We hope you enjoy our show, and we welcome your comments. Hi, thank you for listening to another edition of the Trademark Productions SEO Web Talk Radio Show. I'm Dwight Seringer, founder and president of Trademark Productions, and each week we like to do a podcast with some local and national and international industry um, industry leaders, I guess we could call them, uh, on, on the topics of search engine optimization and marketing your business and your company and your website, your products online. And today um, I am gifted. I am graced to be speaking with one of the forefathers of our industry, um, one of the people that developed a, a, a great manual. Uh, I got to say it's back in 2002, 2003. I'm sure he's going to correct me if I'm wrong. That uh, really helped us kind of guide our agency and go on and beyond into other aspects of SEO for our clients. Um, it was also something that where I learned a lot about the importance of link building uh, that helped me to start up uh, you know, our company, Link Excel, that we just got rid of, um, that really specialized in, in, in building links online. So um, without further ado, we have uh, Aaron Wall, who is the, uh, the CEO owner. He is the man of the uh, website seobook.com. Aaron, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me, and it's uh, a pleasure to be on. Great, great. So, some of you that aren't aware exactly who Aaron is, he's a forefather in the industry. He wrote the book, SEObook.com. Um, you're probably going to realize and understand the importance of keywords and the relevancy of these things and how these play into you being ranked online. Um, he has a ton of knowledge to offer to all of our listeners to this podcast, so I do suggest that you, you download this one and play it back a couple different times. I know he's going to be giving a lot of different tips and strategies and different things away on this that are going to be invaluable. And uh, he has a lot of great things he can offer you in the downstream as well. Um, he's, he's been all over the place. He's a speaker. Um, he's definitely one that ruffles some feathers out there as well at some of the conferences. He's been featured on a number of different publications, on and offline, CNN, MSNBC, US, USA Today, SEO Moz, um, personal great friend and probably a vacationer buddy of Matt Cutts, who's with Google. And uh, it's just a pleasure. It really, really is. So let's get this started. Tell us a little bit how you got involved in SEO. Um, what made you really gravitate to write the book on it? Uh, you know, what was really the seeds that started all of this? So my first website was actually kind of a bit of a wind website. It wasn't a very good website. And I had uh, <clears throat> about no money to market it on. So I sort of fell into SEO that way. Um, and then I kind of saw a few affiliate programs. It's like, you know, you could probably make money with this. And um, about what year was that when you got that started? Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Okay. So by the end of two thousand three, that's when Google did the the Florida update, and I wrote an article about it. It became really popular, and I went from not being very well known to having like lots of demand overnight. But I didn't have a ton of. Um, 
Like I had sold baseball cards in high school at, at like uh, flea markets and baseball card shows and stuff like that. But outside of that, I was still pretty new to marketing and business and that sort of stuff because I was in the military for a while after high school. Um, so in 2003, I started ranking well, and then I wrote that article, and I went from being kind of obscure to pretty popular, and it was like all at once, suddenly tons of demand, and it was kind of overwhelming, and then, you know... Um, now, your site was about selling base card, baseball cards and stuff online? No, 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 my, that was, no, I, I, I just, that was, that's the only other marketing experience I had before I really got into SEO stuff. What was the site that you started that, uh... Ah, oh, it's a winge one, it's kind of goofy, it's, <laughs> I'd rather not mention that's it. That's no problem, that's no problem, so, I mean, instantly overnight, you became a fourth, or, um, a, a known expert on the Google Florida <laughs> update. I'm assuming that, because of the Florida update, it all had some adverse changes to your rankings. Yeah, I mean, it. it uh, the thing that was interesting about it is because I wrote that that article that became really popular, it got well referenced and linked from all over. So um, that actually made our like our, our SEO site rank really well. Sure, sure. Now, for our listeners that are you know trying to get more involved and integrate their SEO, um, and you know, Aaron, myself, it's really hard for a lot of our clients and our listeners as well. The feedback we get. SEO is such an acronym now that people throw out there. It's so easy to jump on. So being a web developer, being an SEO, it's very convoluted from my point of view, which I really try to be descriptive and, and try to clean up and tell my listeners about this and some of our clients. So now from an SEO standpoint of view, what Aaron just said is very, very important to hone in on. Is he all of a sudden got a ton of links from writing a great piece of content. Right. And, once, and, uh, and the other thing I did that was kind of – a bit more clever than I probably even appreciated back then, is why I had the publicity of kind of being sort of well-known for like, say, a couple days there. What I did is I uh, I helped further promote that and promote myself by going around to other webmasters. And, and there's a lot of creative ways you can get links. Like um, one thing I did way back then is um, I used a co-citation tool. Like we have a tool called HubFinder as part of our service. Uh, some other companies have other tools that do the same sort of stuff. Um, the idea with a co-citation tool is you look at sites that are linking to multiple competing sites, and they try to figure out a way you can get a link from one of those uh, for some of those sites. So, so let's say you're in like a uh, um, the SEO industry, or let's say you're in uh, pet supplies. In, the knitting industry, any, any industry, what you can do is you can take a list of 10 or 20 competitors or so, put them into a tool, find out which, um, which common backlinks they have, and then look at those pages and see if there's a way you can contact those webmasters and get on them. And then there's kind of uh, derivative ideas based off that. For example, let's say you know someone else's website moved location, so then you you can look for people that are linking at that site plus other sites in the industry, and you can email some of those webmasters and say, hey, just like, you know, Fred's site moved. Uh, here's a couple other sites you may want to cons- uh, – here's another couple of decent SEO sites you may want to consider listing, uh, something like that. Sure. I did e- emails like that back then, and then I got a bunch of good links too, and in addition to all the other links that were happening. So the site went from kind of obscure – to pretty well established, kind of in like a, a month, maybe. Sure, sure. 
Well, that's that's another point uh, for all the listeners that have their pens and paper out. That that is another thing too. Is he has a tool which we're going to talk about as well. Um, there's lots of things to cover in this because honestly, Aaron's is just a dynamic individual. He's just got so much great stuff going on. But that hub finder, that's another way to help to do some analyzation, a little bit deep analyzation. Um, a big asset of SEOs and people doing optimization to find links back to your site. And you're going to notice during this conversation that we're going to keep gravitating back towards one of the backbones of SEO, which is link building and how you build those links. There's numerous different ways. And we're going to probably get into some of those as well. Um, recently, you did a blog post. You talked to Shoe Money. We've talked to him before as well. And one of the things is this journey going through the search industry all-stars, which you're definitely a part of. Um, Talking about the journey, that it's not that easy. Um, a lot of people that are our listeners, even some of our clients, are individuals, um, have started off from, uh, you know, from from the cuffs, being in the trenches, essentially themselves, freelancers. And you know, it, it's it's definitely a hard journey. It can be easier in a lot of ways. It's definitely a lot of training and knowledge and reeducation. But one of the things you talked about with Shoe Money was, you know, that it's just not that easy to get to the top, and where really is the top. You've definitely changed your business model, your business model radically over the past uh, two years, from what SEO book came. Now, you originally got that book completed probably in early two thousand four, right? Yep, yep. That's when it was. Uh, yeah, because after I got that popularity and saw the the wave of popularity come in, and then kind of it retraced a bit. What I did was it was actually for Christmas two thousand three. I gave away the very first version of it, mm-hmm. um, and got feedback on it. And then I improved its formatting, made it thicker. And then over the years, it kept getting thicker and thicker as SEO became more complex. Yeah. Um, but I, I gave it away for Christmas and then for, like, you know, the following week or something. Then, like, I started selling it uh, sometime, I think, late February or something like that. Now, I, I have a small confession to make that I remember very, very vividly, or very, very specifically back in 2004. It was around March. But I did come across your book. At that time, I was working on building up a charity I had founded. And uh, one of the things that you did is you gave away to educational facilities like universities, uh, schools, or nonprofits your book for free. So while I uh, have a nonprofit, but I also have an agency, and I, I do SEO and, and development as a primary you know, source of income for myself, um, I kind of swindled one of those books away from you for free. Uh-oh. But... In doing so, here's another great lesson that our listeners can take note of, is that by giving something of value away, that you actually had a dollar. What were you selling it for at that time? Not that much when it was first brand new. I think $40. Yeah, 40 bucks, And I'm sure that it went up just under 100 bucks uh, eventually before you actually just end up giving it away um, to everybody. But... Well, I, see, I, I don't just give it away to everyone still, because um, I feel if I did that, there's actually a number of, I feel that would kind of frustrate some of the old people who paid for it. Sure, 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 sure. But then also a couple other things are that since it's kind of long and complex and inc- like includes a lot of info, I felt if I gave away that much information in one chunk, then... A lot of people go like, oh, this is overwhelming or I don't want to get into it because people tend not to respect information that's free. 
uh, in most cases, unless maybe they got a free deal on it and it's supposed to be paid. But even then, a lot of people, if, if you put the price of free on something, then people want to say, okay, well, now I'm going to email him, and he's going to be my free consultant, too. Yeah, and it dilutes the value of what knowledge you really have earned. And, you know, you've spent a lot of time and a lot of money in your time um, learning all this stuff, by all means. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard part with uh, that's That's one of the warnings with, yes, it is good to give stuff away to get links. However, at some point, it, it also gets tough because what happens is if you're kind of obscure and new, you can try giving away stuff, helping people out and all this, so you start building up a certain amount of momentum. And then at some point, you've got to start pulling back on it because otherwise you're going to be overwhelmed because there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah, absolutely. You can't monetize yourself too well there. But what I was getting to is that you gave away an item of value to free. And I remember in doing so, I did talk up that book because I was so well impressed with it. I probably still have the book laying around that has uh, side notes and highlighter all over the place and the pages are all wrinkled and curled up in the edges. But I know that I did post out in different forms, if not actually gave you some links myself. So that's another tip to our listeners. If you give something away that actually has value, that people are going to want and they're going to utilize, chances are you're going to be actually getting a lot of links. In, in doing so, and by doing that, and that's a great component to SEO as well. But and another another thing along those regards is some people are worried about when they're brand new and obscure. They're worried about people stealing their stuff and DRM and all that. And when you're new, if people do steal your stuff, it's actually beneficial because retail only matters if you already have an audience and it's and it's costing you to sell it. But if you're selling information or a software program and other people are using it, well, it still increases your share of voice, and some of those people may mention it at some spots. Like, I've had people tell me that they um, downloaded my ebook off a torrent website, yeah. the book so much that they ended up buying a copy of it. it it's, a rare, it's rare that people do that, but the thing is, if you're new and obscure, any additional distribution channel you get off the start is potentially a good one, but then over time, over time, as you get more well-known and you develop a bit of a brand, uh, people will try to kind of leech off that brand and do stuff like that. So eventually, then it makes sense to, to, to pull back and, and change your model. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and that's something we can all appreciate. Going back to the interview with Shoe Money, um, you guys have a long-term history. Uh, but also the other thing, too, is definitely similar paths down separate parallels. Um, Tell us a little bit about your story that you experienced and the obstacles, similar to what you had talked about with Jeremy. Um, how did it really kind of make you who you are today? How did you overcome those? And uh, immediately, what has, I guess, what's your, what's your plan for success that's given you so much great recognition? Because, again, there's a lot of great things that we know about you and that a lot of our listeners do about you and, and Shu. Um, but there's a lot of bad things that have happened. There's been a lot of trials and tribulations, and there's been a lot of uh, hard times to achieve all of this. I think, I think uh, anytime you want to do something and become successful, then uh, there's always, you know, there's always an awesome bruises. Like, um, before I got started in SEO, I was actually in the military, and I didn't like that that much. And <laughs> so that was kind of a bit about not, not liking that experience too much was what my first website was about. Sure, yeah, I, I've read that. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, so... Some of the uh, some of the other stuff is like one time someone like cold called me offering me some scammy stuff, 
And um, what kind of stuff what happened is it, it annoyed me that they, they called me and I kind of like, why would these guys need a cold call to get those leads? Like, because in my mind, if you're doing SEO and not necessarily selling an, uh, like say an SEM tool or something, but if you're just flat out selling SEO services, if you're cold calling for leads, you probably don't know what you're doing. Right. Because there's so many other ways to market yourself if you understand direct marketing and you're good at SEO and all that sort of good stuff. Um, so I wrote a post about that, and what happened is a lot of people um, commented on that post about how that firm, how they hired that firm, and they ripped them off. And oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I, is that one P? Yeah, that's traffic power. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Um, other stuff, you have to be willing to kind of be somewhere in the gray area. Like, if you let other people's defined uh, rules guide you completely, the goal of a lot of rule sets and guidelines and suggestions are to tilt uh, the favor of the, uh, of the playing field in the person who's making the rules or guidelines up. Ooh. You know, like... With- Sounds like you're going somewhere. Yeah, so like with pay-per-click stuff, a lot of people who are established said, well, it's scammy if you bid on anyone else's names or anyone else's brands. But when they, when I, I did that for a little while, and, and when I did that and someone mentioned it, and they flamed me, and there was a forum thread about it, and while that forum thread with flames was going on, my sales were double normal, and it lasted for like a week long. Wow. So... <laughs> that got similar in this. Also, in general with SEO, uh, when you're new, you just have to, you're trying to get momentum whatever way you can, you know? So, I mean, I wouldn't suggest doing some of the, you know, spam 5,000 blogs or submit your site to 5,000 web directories or nothing like that. But, like, some of the individual techniques, like submitting some of the better directories or, you know, doing stuff like, trying to interview people, trying to, I mean, the, the goal is not to find one route to pass, but to try 20 or 30 different things, and hopefully five of them stick. Right. And each, each additional thing you do makes your profile that much harder to compete with and helps you pick up uh, momentum that much quicker. So in the terms of uh, any other industry or, or profession, it's really trying out a lot of different tactics and strategies and then refining that to see what's going to give you the best uh, return on investment. And, and what you're saying is maybe even dip your feet in some waters that are uncharted or, you know, maybe dip a toe in to see if uh, you, maybe you're in a bad neighborhood or something that may be the best. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm not saying that a person has to get too spammy, but they can certainly operate in a gray region somewhere. Um, and, like, as far as, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff where if you listen to the advice, about, you know, that, that's given, like, I think if you listen to the search engine guidelines too strictly, you can have a, a view of marketing that's so puritanical, <laughs> it never gains any momentum. Yeah. So, yeah. like, so, like, and it applies at every level, like, if, like, for example, when I mentioned I got, when I got my five seconds of fame, I turned it into five minutes of fame by... Uh, you know, trying to get more links and leverage that exposure. And whenever you have exposure of any type, you, you have to keep thinking of how can I refine this, grow this, get this more exposure. Because the thing is, if something's the five seconds of fame, if you just kind of bask in, in the glory of it and don't, don't do anything with it, well, wait a couple months out, and it'll show that you only had five seconds of fame. But if you can kind of push it a bit harder and build up more links while something is already spreading and you help 
push it hard. Um, you know, you're emailing your friends, asking them if they know anyone who could mention it, and, and all sorts of different stuff like that. The more you can involve getting a network of people trying to push it, the better it's it's going to be in the long run. Because three months later or whatever, those links are still going to be there, and yeah. it's a choice if you want to get five or ten links, or if you want to make that five hundred or five thousand. Yeah, you know? you know. So just coming back to it is, I, I want to touch on something about as far as distinguishing white, gray, and black. Because um, some of our listeners um, may be very aware of that and uh, know them as terminologies, but not the specifics of it. So I'm going to have you identify those and define those. But I have also read a little bit about the history of how you've came about and in regards to this. And I, I think a lot of that information is probably still available out there for people to read. But it's not always been um, uh, champagne and roses for you. Um, there's been times where it's been you know a little bit of financial crisis and you've really pulled yourself out of there. So... For a lot of us in this industry, and for people in general in business, um, definitely success stories come out of you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I think a lot of people like how it's true money. You know, you, you kind of get like in a bad situation, and then you try to figure your way out. Um, I mean, in part of why it worked worked well was because when I started, I didn't have um, a family and stuff. Like, I mean, I had a mom, of course, but I didn't have, like, uh, you know, like a wife and kids and stuff. So if I wanted to spend 18 hours a day learning and participating online and figuring stuff out, there was time to do that, you know? So, uh, and and to be fair, even um, I got a job for a while when I first started out, too, to pay the bills. So a lot of people think sometimes you get to 100 bucks a month online and then you quit your job. Well, I actually did that, but... But part of what allowed me to do that was that I had um, built up a lot of social capital, and I wasn't just singularly focused on trying to build cash flow. Yeah, and there was a lot of a lot of sacrifice involved too. Yeah, I mean, for I mean that's not. But if you think about any sort of business, rarely do you get any sort of sustained momentum and and anything like that unless you really put effort in for a while. And the easiest way to, I mean, if you have a lot of money, you can leverage capital to, to you know, buy oh, yeah. nice domain names or buy an existing site or do something like that. But if you don't have a lot of capital, well, then how you how you catch up and stuff is, is putting more time in than the next guy, you know? And the good thing, though, after you put a lot of effort in and stuff starts working out, is every additional piece of marketing you do um, even if it only just pays for itself, even if it doesn't produce profit, but it just become self-sustaining, well, each additional item you do is that much more barrier to entry between you and anyone new to your market. Yeah. So, so it's kind of, I mean, it sucks off the start when you have to work your ass off, but then after a while, that's like, hey, you know, I know I worked hard for a long time, so uh, this should last for a while. Yeah, definitely. So let's let's go back to what I was just pointing out, as you mentioned in there, um, for some of our listeners to point out, this is another pen to paper item, but talking about white, gray, and black. And in the SEO industry, we defied uh, different types of tactics that you may do online. And uh, everybody has a little bit different of a definition, uh, definition of them, but I think it would be good to ask you to define exactly, just kind of quickly, what each of those are and what some examples are. Okay, so I'll first disclaim that... Uh a lot of it, a lot of what you can get away with depends on how big you are and how well known you are. Um, uh, Tom Malakut made a great post a couple of years ago, who uh, who I think he had said his the title was "Why Big Brand Is the New Black Hat," 
it basically what it, it lists was a bunch of stuff that like search engineers view things and if you, if if you read uh some there's been some leaked guidelines uh, some leaked remote quality reader guidelines mm-hmm. that have leaked from Google into the hands of uh, <clears throat> some SEOs that um, you may know. Um, and when you read those sorts of things, you can see how a lot of stuff's open to interpretation. Sure. And, you know, if something, um, if, if like, a lot of things can look very similar like a lot of spam techniques versus good techniques that are considered clean. Um, and a lot of it depends on who's doing it. Right. So if, um, if say, let me think of a few companies here. Well, let's talk if, about uh, Coke or let's talk about uh, Macy's. Okay. So if Macy's buys out a competing website. Uh, and then, oh, wait, let's use uh, Circuit City. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's use that one. That's a great example because that also we'll talk about the white, gray, and black, but then we can also talk about the value that's also an SEO strategy that you actually posted about very quickly after the bankruptcy and acquisition and dissolution of their assets. Yeah, so so Circuit City went bankrupt and then the website was bought for something like fourteen million and it probably um, all you'd have to do is slap any old website up on there for, you know, after you get the website up, it, um, it would probably produce, you know, that much sales per month at least, just based on the old links and authority of the website. So if a big brand does something, a lot of times it's seen as fine, whereas if, if you buy a domain for its links and then you 301 redirect it into another site, and people become aware of it, there might be risks associated with it. So it's kind of everything, I mean, everything is relative to the market you're in, right? Like if you're in casinos or doing some porn stuff or something like that, maybe almost all the competing sites are using, you know, heavy reciprocal links, buying links, and that sort of stuff. But then in other markets, maybe there's a lot of organic links like people linking to you because they like your content or you offer some free tools and and that sort of stuff and you're only competing against the people really in your market so you only have to be more credible than the other people in your market so if um, if you have a lot of kind of um, organic marketing where where you're getting a lot of good mentions and people like you and trust your brand and know of you and that sort of stuff, well then the risks of doing the spammy stuff are kind of a bit less because when when you're evaluated, you're not evaluated based on having three spammy links. They eva- evaluate kind of the whole profile. So again, let's going back to a couple key terms there. Um, you know, and again, listeners, I can't extend to you enough of Aaron probably charges 500 bucks an hour for consulting. And I mean, we're getting an hour of it here for free. So I mean, really take note of some of these things, but a large brand is getting so much saturation out there online because this is a common question you get too, Aaron, um, as we do, is that 
how does SEO work? I mean, how does it really work? And, and, and can I just do a couple of these things? So as people start becoming educated, they it fuels their questions with their education, but they don't understand it deep enough to understand maybe the psychology and the dynamics of it. So if we take a big brand like Circuit City, pre-bankrupt, or, uh, yeah, pre-bankruptcy, they had so much saturation in traditional media, online media, consumer reviews, third-party sites. They built up their link popularity in a very, very large fashion. And if they were to do anything that would be adverse or considered to be gray or black, which is going to be very spammy and a big no-no in Google's eyes, it wouldn't be looked on as such a hard effort because they have too much of the backlinks from all these other types of authorities that's giving the value and offsetting that. Does, does that sound right? Yeah. And I mean, if you do something that's super, and even when, even if they do something really black, I think uh, it was like BMW like three or four years ago. That was in, uh, in uh, Germany, right? Yeah, they got caught cloaking and like really some spammy, really super spammy stuff. And they were out of the search index for like 24 hours and then they, their site was ranked again, just where it was before the spamming. So they had all the benefit of spamming for like three or four years. And then boom, in one day, they lost only lost one day of traffic. And then boom, they were right back where they were. So they gained three years of benefit three or four years of benefit, and they only had one day of downtime. Well, they also made themselves a case study, which, you know, that would be something that would be a very, very smart, controlled tactic of a large corporation because, you know, here we are bringing it up three, four years later of what they did that was, you know, really a a pivoting point in SEO history. And uh, they're getting a lot of benefit, and, you know, that brand name's being re-mentioned again and again and again, and probably a ton of links to post in regards to things like that, if not back at their their original site. Right. And the thing is, most, most, and the thing is that you'd only get in trouble like that if it's mentioned publicly and it's, uh, and it's really overt. But there's lots of ways to do stuff that's less overt. And I kind of show in like gray versus black. So black would be like you, you put a huge block of 300 misspelled words in the footer of your page or something, right? That would be kind of spammy and be black hat. That's what we call so 2003. Right. But at the same time, if you look at uh, about.com, they'll have pages on their site where they're like, did you mean? And then they offer, you know, they're like, uh, did you mean? And then they they list the right word, and then they say common misspellings, and then they list three or four misspellings, and say, hey, you know, these are common misspellings of that word, and it kind of looks sort of legit. And then coupled with the brand, it's totally legit. So that's like gray instead of black. Yeah, because that's basically they're trying to provide because of their backbone of internet clouts and who they are and the longtime reputation they have online. They're trying to offer some useful tools in the eyes of someone like Google that may want to look at that. And say, are they really trying to keyword pack? But in, in essence, they're trying to they're they're utilizing it in a very great fashion, providing very elect uh, anchor text going to those internal pages and a lot of suggestive terms, trying to bleed in a lot of uh, potential value. And there's, uh, and there's a lot of different ways to achieve the same goal in SEO. So, for example, let's say you buy a bunch of high-page rank links that all say credit cards and point them at your website. Well, that'll, that'll probably be seen pretty easily and it's probably deemed as pretty spammy, especially if you have a new site and it's like a, an affiliate site, something like that. Well, what if you 
bought like a domain name that kind of matched the topic, say like creditcards.com, and built off of it. Well, then when you're getting your, your links to your site, they look more natural. And then maybe instead of needing to get those high, uh, high page rank bot links, you can, you can get some links that's kind of average to mid quality to low quality and they can still add up to something. So, so that way, like if you're linking to your site using a keyword and that keyword's not in your domain name, and you're really aggressive with buying links for it, it can look really spammy. But if that keyword is your site's name, then it doesn't look as spammy. Yeah. For the friends in our industry, you'll notice that Aaron, too, is just intuitively talking in such a general fashion, um, where I'm going to try to pull back a little bit and digress about as far as some of the tips that he is pointing out, uh, just because it's so natural of him to do so. Um, Keywords being very, very important for the ones. We all know SEO is about keywords, it's about links. Um, but one of the most important parts too, because we're going to talk about a small value set before we let you go too, is uh, maybe your top 10 tips. But if you can get a keyword in your domain name, that's high, high relevance. It's a pretty good dominance. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So. It, and it looks good in the search results and can pull high click-through rates. Um, there's just a lot of good to it. It's just one of the things you definitely want to have. So that that's definitely one of the tips there. Aaron, um, SEO book and your site. Um, great site, great brand. He definitely has, has put something well together here. I, I want to touch on a couple points of this year is if our listeners are really looking to get SEO integrated into their business, which so many are now. Depending on your from you know small local business, and you may be medium-sized enterprise, uh, multiple locations, corporate. If you're really looking to integrate this into the, a great page on his site, and this is all free information by the way, is the website credibility page. There, Aaron really outlines what every SEO that you should be talking to uses as a basis of how to integrate optimization into your business and how it has to become part of your marketing tool set. So I definitely suggest that you all go out there and read his page on website credibility because he lists it out there in very plain English like Crayola crayons. It's just simple. Aaron, you got a couple other websites that you run right now. Um, what are those? Uh, I don't usually say all of the sites we run. Uh, maybe ones you just want to tell people about. Yeah, my wife runs like, well, because here's the problem, going back to that last thing, is because of who owns a website, if you're known, if you're branded as, hey, I'm one of the top SEOs in the world, those people who work at Google are like, oh, this is owned by a damn spammer. (laughs) Because to them, there's not much difference between the two words. Uh, Publicly, they'll pretend there's a difference such that people trust them enough to give them information and people trust them enough to follow what they say. But generally, in a lot of ways, they view SEO and spam as being the same thing. So one example of that is um, one website that, uh, that I used to have an ownership stake in, um, uh, Yahoo, um, Yahoo gave it an extra directory listing in the Yahoo directory. Mm-hmm. Uh, business, or, excuse me, not business, okay, I, I think another, uh, Microsoft back then, it was MSN Search. They put our website uh, as a shortcut above the organic search results. They selected it in Encarta as the lead resource for the core keyword in the topic. And then a person at Google told me <laughs> they thought the site was spammy. You know, based on its marketing. But my point is, what what was the clear market leading site, as determined by an unaffiliated third party, is seen as spam based on who owns it. So yeah. that's why I'm not like, oh, here's my site list. 
Okay, we'll, we'll skip over that one then. Then uh, that's quite okay. So if you want to find out uh, the other things that Aaron's doing and owing, you're going to have to make a major equity stake in his time in order for him to divulge any of those things. Um, what are some of the biggest trends and changes we're seeing? Now, you were part of Rand Fishkin's SEO Moz survey this summer, and one of the things that I had appreciated seeing in there um, that you had, you know, as part of your votes and your feedback amongst others uh, was the value of backlinks still being very strong in organically ranking a site. Um, it's way up there at the top. Yep. What are some other trends that you're seeing well, in I, I don't, optimization? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a change. I think that backlinks have always been way up there. Oh, absolutely, but it, it's, it, I'm saying that it hasn't changed still. Yeah, with the whole paid linking debate and blah, 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 um, links are still the backbone. It's still the nebulous black hole that Google cannot cover up. Right, yeah. So, the, I mean, some of the other trends are, I mean, you've seen a lot of consolidation markets right now. Companies like Bankrate buying out lots of financial bloggers or, you know, they bought out like um, – they bought a credit card guide for $34 million or something like that, I think, and then um, Bankaholic for another $15 million. Um, so you're starting to see a lot of the, the leading networks try to buy out uh, other, other, other individual sites, other collections of sites. Uh, Quinn Street bought out um, Internet.com's assets. Mm-hmm. So they, they now own, like, Internet.com, JavaScript.com, all these killer domain names with tons of age and inbound links and content. They uh, they got I think like I think they got it for something like sixteen or eighteen million for like the whole collection. Right, but what you're what you're saying in, in that in that statement is that one of the trends we're seeing is a lot of major uh, companies out there are actually buying up individuals and smaller uh, bloggers that have a very very defined niche presence in certain markets online. Yep. So you're seeing. Uh, network effects sort of come in where some of the biggest players and biggest brands are buying do- buying down the stream in their vertical for either new areas they want to enter or uh, you know areas where they want a second or third bite at the apple in the search results. Sir, so I think there's some social equity, uh, the search equity, the links, there's a lot there that's to, to, to be purchased there. Yeah, that, so that's kind of big. Another thing that's kind of big is the creation of mass user-generated or underpaid editorial garbage content. Uh, there was, um, is that gray or is that black? Well, it depends on how, big, how much scale you have. If, if I do it, it's black. Okay, so we're talking a little bit about article writing, um, user-generated content that's made for the purpose of putting a footer link um, and being passed around and reposted on numerous sites. Am I correct? Oh, no, I was talking more like demand media. Uh, <laughs> they had an article in uh, in Wired last month um, where they talked about how they um, create 4,000 pieces of content a day and are trying to get it up to a million pieces of content a month. And they have an algorithm that, that looks at, uh, that scrapes, you know, keyword data, combines uh, data from, like, Google plus I- Google tools plus ISP data plus their old data from their internal analytics on their current articles, and then they just start, you know, paying people five bucks an article or whatever to write all these topics like uh, um, 
car donation Dallas or whatever, and the article is just completely filler and wrapped in AdSense, but it's legitimate because, you know, they're probably pulling in 500000 a day from it. So. And, and that's legitimate because of the scale. So now let's even look at another component of it. We're, we're going a little bit off track here, but that's not considered to be an issue with Google AdSense. No. Or AdWords because of the revenue it's generating for Google. Why would they turn off a faucet that large? Right. It's like um, also, also Google, like with YouTube, YouTube told demand studios that, hey, we don't have enough Spanish. Uh, advertisers want more Spanish video content. So then they started going out and making some of that. So there's kind of a direct in in some ways, you know. Ah. And so what's the purpose overall? Is just the revenue generation through the ad share revenue with Google? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's if you look at their content, you'll rarely be amazed by quality. Well, so just, I guess the whole model then is go back to don't be evil. Yeah, but see, so on that one, so that's, the, 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 the model there that's interesting is they're, they're monetizing a lot of the tail of search and producing content quite, quite cheaply. Uh, the other thing that's happening is more of an economic trend where a lot of the, the big time publishers are about to go bankrupt, like a lot of traditional newspaper companies. Sure, sure, sure. Um, there, even though, even though Google has, um, you know, Google News, which, so there's, there's something called universal search results where Google has the core database of search results and then they have all these vertical databases like, say there's a database of blogs, a database of news, a database of video, and all that sort of stuff. Well, with, with universal search, a lot of those news companies are getting featured and in, in getting more exposure in search, but, uh, news uh, people who come in on a news topic are not generally very easy to monetize because they're just interested in, in the moment. It's not as, as strong as say a person that just searches for something out of the blue that's not currently in the news. So a quick a quick jolt of traffic potentially, maybe some revenue or some uh, some types of conversion that's happening on their site reading the article. So yeah, a lot of those media companies aren't really making enough to for, for their kind of bloated content production models. Yeah. So a lot of them may go away at some point, and that's still, uh, you know, maybe a year or two off, but that's that's kind of going to be interesting to watch as well. Sure. Let's go back to the demand media thing. So they're creating all this content and everything else, and that's being flooded and ranked in search results, right, because of the sheer volume and the amount of authority that it's gaining? Uh-huh. Now, is that considered to be quality? It's not quality. But, but they're showing up in search results. Yeah, but they, they usually show up for the long tail. Also, eHow was a site that Demand Media purchased for its old links. Oh. Uh, it used to be a VC-backed startup back in, like, 99 or something. So it already got lots of old links way back when. All right, let's talk really quickly about some trends in SEO that would be beneficial to regular Joe business owner and, you know, some of the people that are listening that are sitting in an organization part of a marketing department. Yeah, if you, if you listen through some of those, though, if you um, – there are ways to maybe apply some of that as well. Like, for example, if you know that eHow ranks really well, well, then sometimes it, maybe you can test submitting an article or two there and seeing if you can rank it. Sure. Um, um, what are some of the changes you'd like to see in SEO in the future? Um, and, and, and I guess, how, yeah, let's talk, I guess, answer that one. Um, so, how would I like to see SEO change in the future? Yeah. And how are you going to be involved in changing it, Aaron? I think that's kind of a, a tough question because I think our role is mostly to be kind of reactive and 
do whatever, kind of, a lot of it's do what works. Um, I think, I mean, I think in time, there's going to be more and more signal search engines can use, and they're going to pull in more data from more different databases and more content from, like, Google Book Search after they get all the legal stuff from that sorted out. It'll, we'll appear more often. Uh, I think the biggest thing is SEO is going to start becoming more integrated everywhere. Yeah. Um, Word Tracker did an article with uh, an interview of a guy named uh, Brent Main, who is the in-house SEO for the Tribune company. Yep, Brett. Um, he and he did like uh, he talked about how they were using SEO to help come up with article titles, cross-linking through their network, um, you know, through one redirecting some of the old stories to the core story to get a, some momentum so it'll rank quick and people will see it and hopefully it'll pull more links in. So I mean, it's it's already starting to head in that direction. Uh, the big thing is, though, SEO is becoming – the one thing that I think is hard about SEO is that a lot of it's so based on the link graph right now. Yeah. But the link graph, because so many people are aware of the value of links, is becoming so heavily polluted that it's becoming harder to get signal in. Like, links used to represent, hey, I link to you because you did something that was citation-worthy and good or citation-worthy and great. But now a lot of links tend to represent nepotism or – you know, voting for your own other site or or just the link's old and it was there, but then the the model, the business model and the people behind the site changed because people bought it out. The the link graph is kind of a bit static um, in in that, I mean, it, it changes as new links get added, but a lot of the old sites change drastically after they acquire the links and still keep it. Like, eHow was kind of a... Uh, more of an editorial control curated site in the past, whereas now it's kind of a, a mass info pump, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, SEO book, let's go back to your site and to uh, your paid tool set. You know, for SEOs that are out there that are not using, in fact, I think I emailed you the beginning of this year or late last year asking for permission to um, use your graphics and write a review on the toolbar that you have, the SEO book toolbar, the SEO toolbar, which if you are in any, aspect, in, in any aspect involved in marketing online or in SEO yourself, if you can't find this toolbar useful, you're a damn idiot because this thing has so much power at your fingertips. Uh, this is something I recommend to everybody, all my clients. I make them install this at Firefox and the web developer toolbar ASAP. It's a ton of great things. So again, we're talking to a gentleman that's just given so much back to the community as a whole and uh, got a lot of links for doing that too as well. So he definitely knows how to utilize this well. What other paid tool sets are out there like uh, Keyword Elite? Uh, and, and do you think these are effective that we could recommend? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm not convinced that a person, uh, I mean, I'm not convinced in too many of the desktop keyword tools. I, I think a lot of, I think there's so much available online that's pretty good. Um, the Google tool set is my favorite keyword tool. Uh, as far as there's, a, there's two tools they have, one called the search-based keyword, well, they have three tools, actually. Uh, the search-based keyword tool, the traffic estimator, and then their basic uh, keyword tool. Um, they're all good. The only issue with them is that sometimes Google selectively filters some stuff. Yeah. So, for example, let's say there's 100 top words in the industry. 
Well, Google knows what the top 100 are, but maybe they'll show you numbers, you know, maybe they'll show you 85 of the top 100 and then show you some other random 15. Right. And, and they won't show you data for some of those specific keywords unless you put those keywords specifically into the tool and already know of them. Right. So I like to use the, the Google tools as my, like, first step. And then I also like using uh, Word Tracker, or um, there's also a, um, well, WordStream's another tool, and, and kind of cross-compare and kind of cross-reference back and forth a few times. Right. And then if I have a really big keyword list, I might run it through the Google AdWords API uh, and, and have it set, grab the data as far as estimated search volume, estimated keyword value. And then from there, you can kind of sort it by value and then look at what keywords fit well in your business um, and compare it with your analytics and conversion data and, and, and start refining your strategy as you get some traffic in. Uh, so as far as keyword tools, I, I generally don't recommend too many of them, certainly not many of the desktop ones. I think a lot of the desktop SEO software is going away in favor of either stuff that's part of uh, a web-based tool or stuff that's uh, part of a, a browser extension. Right. And, now, and, and, and as we know also, too, you can see that, I mean, very much validated here. Aaron is a, a definitely a, a forefather in this and very knowledgeable. He even created his own keyword tool, which is available over at his site, seobook.com, um, or tools.seobook.com. Yeah, that, that one's actually powered by Word Tracker. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is the image is validating what you recommend. So if you uh, want the same Kool-Aid that Aaron's drinking, chances are you're going to find it over at tools.seobook.com. And, and we, we list a lot of tools beyond just our own. Oh, yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah, most of the people who have tools will just like, here's all the tools you need, they're ours. And I like, here's all the variety of tools, you know, because I feel that it forces you to keep uh, innovating. Sure. So, uh, it's kind of a weird uh, mindset, but if you're if you're willing to link out to competing stuff, then it forces you to make your stuff better to compete. Okay, let's get down to some um, some helpful um, consultation from Aaron Wall of SEObook.com. Uh, let's talk about small businesses. I mean, a big topic, and of course, next week. Um, you're going to be in Vegas. I'll be in Vegas. I'll definitely be in your session on uh, link building. Um, but there's going to be a lot of great things talked about there. And one of them is going to be you know, small and local search. And let's talk about small businesses that are trying to really make their uh, get their foot in the door, uh, get their business ranked online. They may not have a huge, huge buzz at doing so. From a small business standpoint, trying to gain a web presence, uh, what are some of the key things that you feel they need to do to make sure they show up in rankings? And let's talk basics. Okay, so I think one of the, the best starting points is start off with the domain name, right? Because it's going to play into every other piece of marketing that you do. Now, in you saying that, let's talk about a fact of, because I'm sure you have a lot of people that come to you um, that, that question you and just ask you questions, maybe at a conference or whatever, just like we have at our agency, is they say, well, I've already got my company name, I've already got this and this and that. Is there some value potentially in them looking into some domain um, assets or other domain names expired or because of different values to associate or replace their current domain name? I mean, in a lot of cases, certainly so, um, especially if, they're, if they don't really have any online footprint or any online presence yet, like they have a domain but they haven't built links for it or anything. Because um, as, a, as a small business, if you own uh, an exact match domain, you can start using that for your business name to help control the, the link anchor text, 
and that helps influence also probably some of the rankings with, with uh, some of the local search stuff um, because you'll look very relevant and a lot of people will click on you. Um, sure. The other stuff with local too is once you get local listings, uh, you you want to get citations. There's a site called uh, Get Listed that lists a bunch of sites that you can submit to, some general directories, like Axiom, and they provide data to a lot of the other providers. Sure. Um, and <clears throat> the trick with the uh, the data too is with local stuff is if you can get a business location that's kind of central to a city or central to the market you want, so that'll not only help you offline to get seen and known more, but it'll also help you online because if a lot of people live by there, part of what the search engines look at is how central you are to the city or how close you are to the people searching for search. that. So for like uh, for us, we're, we're near Detroit, but we're in a suburb. I think you're out near Portland. Uh, we're, I'm in, uh, I'm in um, uh, Oakland, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if you search for Oakland SEO, I think they list me <laughs> number one with a little map to my house, which is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so nobody go and search that. But let's pull the throttle back a little bit and go back higher level. So we talked about a domain. Domain's going to be an important component for a small business. What are some other ones? So a domain name's important. Then if you can encourage your customers to give reviews to your site, like if uh, they can review it on Google Local or, or other sub-services, um, if you get a bunch of positive reviews, that'll help you rank better. Okay. Um, so that's two. Three is the physical location of the business. Uh, if, if, if you're deciding amongst two different business locations that are kind of, well, heads or tails, well, the location, the more central you are to a city, the better, the better it'll be. Okay. Um, and then, um, if you can get citations on a lot of the known local directories, that'll help as well. Perfect, perfect. And a lot of this may be a little bit of pay for. You might be able to utilize a local SEO company or agency that offers these components. Um, although to Mr. Joe Business Owner, you definitely want to be aware of what you are getting. Don't jump start and buy the $299 SEO package um, because you want to make sure that uh, some of these uh, listings may be a, a price to, to join. And you want to make sure that you have a little bit of control over where some of those listings are being placed and who owns those accounts. Isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, it's, if, it's worth spending a bit of time and money giving yourself at least a little bit of baseline knowledge. That way, you're not buying a black box from some vendor. You sure. want, the more you know about what that vendor's doing, or at least have a like baseline uh, set of knowledge, well, that's going to help you ensure you pick the right sort of vendor and ensure that stuff's going in the right direction. Right. Um, with an SEO department in a business infrastructure, I mean, this is definitely a growing trend. Do you think uh, SEO in-houses are going to be uh, kind of the norm moving forward in the future, like a desktop publisher in internally with the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the dying age of traditional media or the decline of it, and then also the ad agencies? A lot of people brought all that stuff in-house. Is this where we see it's going with SEO as well? Yeah, because I think a lot of the SEO stuff is getting baked into the process itself. Yeah. Oh. So lots more SEO stuff is certainly moving uh, in-house. I mean, that's a big, big trend. Yeah. Like, let's, let's touch on a little bit of a topic of social media. Real-time search has been a real major topic in recent news. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about that next week at PubCon. Um, do you think this is going to impact the search industry as a whole? And what, what about the evolution of it? 
Um, I think it's, the impact is mostly going to be on the personal stuff, extending out your social circle stuff, um, like Google social, social Search, how they can see you know, who your buddies are on Twitter or, or elsewhere and help influence results that way. I think that that's really one of the few ways they can provide a lot of value with it. Um, a lot of this stuff doesn't, there's not a lot of signal around a lot of stuff with social media. So promoting it quickly, it doesn't have a lot of signal. Like most areas where it would have a lot of signal, there would also be a lot of traditional web links as well yeah. going around those areas. So it doesn't probably help too, too much with facilitating better indexing or anything like that. Aaron, let's talk about the social media component and recently Google talking now about the indexing of Twitter feeds again um, and those showing up in results. Now, we're going to go back to talking about SEO and links and, and pertaining to that, but what about social media for small businesses and, and for companies that are out there? The social presence is important and that can span and conjure up or and evolve to having posts, having reviews, having different... SERP results of people's comments or postings and questions. But right off the cusp, I mean, do you feel that social media has a big component to SEO as a whole? I think it can be helpful for some, but for most small business, it's, it's typically um, mismanagement of resources that they put too much effort directly into the, like, Twitter or Facebook, because most of them would be better off spending that time to write how-to blog posts and stuff like that on their own website. Right, and then after their own site, a pretty strong destination. Right, at that level, it might make a lot of sense. Okay, and I, I, I'm going to kind of uh, round it up here. I don't want to kill too much of your time here, but you recently wrote a blog post that addressed the perception of the in internet amongst the common folk, common people. Yeah, a key ingredient in designing and developing a successful website is knowing your audience specifically. And uh, you think this is? Do you think this is a problem with most websites for businesses today that they try to incorporate way too much? They get into the social. Just like I, my my opinion is right in line with yours too in regarding social media for businesses. They try to incorporate too much, and their website is missing out on giving basic elements um, that can make a website more successful. So, how do you see a web design development industry evolving over time to reach the demand of the consumer, so to speak? I think there'll always be shoddy providers. I think it'll just be some amount of people will care and some won't. Um, different people will talk about improvements using different language. Uh, some people will call it usability, some will call it SEO, some people will call it design. Um, the thing is though, a lot of the a lot of the shoddiest providers of services, like design services that aren't very good and stuff like that, are probably being driven out of the market based on um, do-it-yourself tools. Uh, like, for example, you can get a decent website theme for $10 at Team Forest, you know? Yeah. And you can get a custom-made logo for 100 bucks or something. Right. Um, I think in time, a lot more of that stuff is going to kind of get rolled together and a lot more DIY sort of stuff. Sure. I mean, a lot of it will still be terrible. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I think, I mean, there will be winners and losers in any market, and, it's, and there's always going to be way more losers than winners. Yeah. Well, you talked more about the key ingredient of designing and developing a successful website and knowing your audience. I guess elaborate on that. So if you know if you know what a market wants, then you can kind of prov help provide for what it wants. If you know your market well, you can see hopefully some of the holes or some of the marketing strategies that might 
to work in it, but if you don't know much about a market, then the person that knows a lot about that market has a huge advantage over you. Right. So I just want to kind of wrap this up with you. Tools in training. You have an awesome site, as if I, if I haven't mentioned that already. You've got a great toolbar uh, plug-in for Firefox, which is the browser everybody should be using. Um, and you also have an entire training class. That's been a little bit of an evolution of your business as well, is really to go into some of the subscription base and the consulting component of it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the training and what you do offer people and how they can find out about it. We have a uh, we have a um, a forum that's for private a private forum for our, our members that where they can interact directly with me and other other members. Uh, we have train over 100 training modules, textual training modules that people can uh, learn uh, learn on um, various a- SEO aspects. Like there's ones in link building. Right. Let me some of SEO training, pay per click advertising. Uh, an- analytics and results, tracking those, uh, website credibility and making your site just, I guess, really search engine friendly, monetizing the site, utilizing video and audio, uh, marketing tools, and then you basically um, a-, a lot of different um, value add that you're giving away as well with that with that service. We just keep trying to add stuff to it whenever we can. So yeah, it's it's definitely the uh, the cat's meow. Uh, the cat mutts meow, I should say, and uh, it's something that all of our listeners should talk about. Uh, Aaron, before I let you go, first of all, I, I again appreciate you taking the time. I definitely owe you a drink next week in Vegas. Um, your session that you're going to be talking about, what's it about? Uh, well, I'm actually on three different sessions. Oh, uh, one is going to be a, a review session of people's link building strategies, where we try to give them more link building tips and strategies. Another is supposed to be a panel on link buying, which always ends up being an entertaining panel because there's always an audience. Yep. Um, and then the third panel is going to be on uh, monetization of websites using contextual ads. Okay, perfect. And then give give us uh, three good tips that you would charge 500 bucks for to our listeners. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the thing of... Um, do a site search on our website for the phrase exact match domain and read up on that. For the exact match domain? Yep. So that one's, I mean, that's just so good. Okay. Um, uh, look, look to buy, you know, look through the search results for stuff on page three or five to look for sites to buy, if, if you can afford to buy a site. Um, particularly for sites that look kind of old and crusty and not well monetized. So go to Google, do a search on sites to buy, and look on page three or four? What, no, I'm saying search for your topic. And then look look for sites that aren't quite ranking at the top, and see if you can buy them. Ah, that's a that's a great tip. And give us one more little one. One more. Uh, uh, you will rank better in Google if you link to my site. No, I. Because <laughs> you do re- uh, link link uh, your reciprocal linker. I was just joking. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. This one was a scam because the first two were good. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great, that's great. Aaron Wall, thank you so much. I am honored to take up an hour of your time. Again, um, he is going to be speaking next week at Webmaster World PubCon Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada, if you don't get a chance to get out there. I'm sure you'll be able to find some of those uh, streaming around YouTube minutes after he gets done with his sessions. And if you're looking for some great SEO advice, he's available for private consultation and group consultation. And he has 
awesome tools. Like I said, the SEO toolbar and seobook.com and the training. This is definitely a gentleman I would recommend to my clients. I'm not afraid to lose business to this guy because he's that good. Thank you so much, and I will see you next week in Vegas, sir. Yes, see you then. Have a great week. Bye.